whose speech was better, Trump's after the arraignment speech or President Biden's Juneteenth speech? You be the judge. This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Trump was all the rave yesterday. We all know that. But it wasn't just a big day for him. It was also a big day for President Biden, who was hosting a Juneteenth celebration at the White House that you probably didn't hear anything about. Because while it was going on, the media, who's constantly calling Trump a racist, focused not on this White House celebration of the emancipation of slaves. They focused instead on Trump. Very inclusive of them, I know. While Trump was giving his after-the-indictment speech, Biden was over at the White House giving his Juneteenth speech. And since the media didn't pay any attention to Biden's speech, I figure we can play some clips of the two back-to-back and see who did a better job, specifically who did a better job of opening their speech. Both presidents started their speeches off by expressing their gratitude, saying thank you to everybody. One of them used a lot of words to say thank you, while the other one didn't use hardly any words at all. Let's see which one you think did a better job, starting with President Biden's opening. Here is Biden taking the mic after his daughter introduced him to the Juneteenth crowd. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Ashley's father. <laughs> She's the love of my life and the life of my love. Oh, no, I couldn't be proud of her. The love of my life and the life of my love. I'm sure that means something. Now, I don't know how Jill feels about that. Some people might find that to be heartwarming, others creepy. I think he meant he couldn't be more proud of her there. Just kind of sounded like he said he couldn't be proud of her, although I'm not 100% sure. I haven't read her diary. Biden then follows that up by listing off a long line of people that he thanks. I'm going to skip through that portion, and then he closes out his intro. He has a closer for his intro. He closes out his intro by talking about how hard it is to follow a good act. How hard it is to follow a good act. And a special thanks to tonight's gifted performers. You know, I was leaning over and telling Kamala, I followed some tough acts. <laughs> I've spoken before Nobel Prize winners. He's followed some tough acts. He's spoken before Nobel Prize winners. Let's hear that one more time. And a special thanks to tonight's gifted performers. You know, I was leaning over and telling Kamala, I followed some tough acts. <laughs> I've spoken before Nobel Prize winners. Yep, that is what he said. I'll let the clip play out. I followed some tough acts. <laughs> I've spoken before Nobel Prize winners. I've spoken before the, after the Pope. I've spoken to... Every uh, Medal of Honor winners, military heroes, but my Lord, I've never spoken before a group like this. So he's spoken before or after the Pope. It's unclear. He has spoken before. We're not sure if we're talking about on stage or in front of all of the Medal of Honor winners and heroes. And uh, it, it, he's never before spoken before a crowd like this, which it seems by the end that he's talking about in front of them, where at the beginning he was talking about following them up on stage. You can hear the crowd at the end of that. They don't, they're confused. He's lost half of that crowd through that rambling confusion, and they're like, what's, what's he talking about? That was the conclusion of Biden's opener. Now here's how Trump opened his speech. 
I'm going to pause it there. This is not even the beginning because Trump came out and he walked around and he let the audience soak him in. He soaked in the audience. And they're chanting Trump, Trump, Trump for those who are listening. If it's not, if the audio is not clear enough on it. Everybody's holding up their phones, snapping pictures. Trump is pointing at people. He's smiling at people. He's looking presidential and he's looking like a leader. And I'm going to play this all the way through and I'm going to do it on double speed until it gets to where he actually speaks a word to the crowd. Just so those watching can see, and I'll describe it to those listening, his performance of what he's doing here, especially in comparison to what Biden was doing with his opener. Because this is how Trump introduced himself to this crowd on this night, and that was how Biden introduced himself to that crowd on this night. And the styles could not be more contrasting. Let me get this on double speed. This is a performance right here. This is skill. Okay, now Trump has gone left to right on the stage for those listening. He's engaged eye contact with people who are there, made them feel connected with him. Now he's moved to the center of the podium in front of the flags, not all the way up at the microphone. He still stepped back from it. So like you would if you're getting a standing, he's getting a pre-standing ovation essentially. And Trump is standing there confident and in control. He is allowing them to appreciate him and he's getting appreciation back. This is, so, so in stand-up comedy, especially when you first start it, People can get nervous, and even when you've been doing it for years, and if you get nervous, you start talking too fast, and you race through your punchlines, almost like you're just trying to get to the next joke, and it could be the best joke ever written, but if you're saying the setup for the next joke before the punchline for the previous one lands on the audience, and they are able to absorb it and take it in and enjoy it, then they're going to stop laughing because they're listening, and they haven't had that moment to enjoy you. Trump is giving the audience their moment because this is their moment, and in exchange, they're giving him his moment, and together, the energy in this room is building. Why He could easily stop the song and just start talking and cut that energy off, but why would he do that when it's just building to an almost fever pitch right here, whereas Biden went on this did a creepy joke about his daughter, then went on a, a rambling thing about following up a performance, how hard it is, and then something that didn't make sense. Trump hasn't said a word yet into the microphone. And everybody there is on fire. And he's also... People in the crowd are waving the, their phones back and forth. They are very much the fans. Trump is not waving his hands around out of control. Trump is very in control of the situation. He's measured, he looks like a leader, and he looks presidential. This is a guy who knows how to perform. This is a guy who loves the WWE. He's good at this. He's great at it, actually. You see that? I know I'm picking this apart, but did you see how the one guy raised his phone up in the crowd 
and Trump specifically gave him the, the subtle nod, that guy is going to go home and tell his family, he saw me, he saw me, he gave me the nod. It, th- that made that guy's probably, he's going to be telling people about that moment probably for the rest of his life. And that is what Trump is so good at. Now, Biden goes around, they do these PR things, and Kamala does it, but it's so disingenuous. Now, whether or not you believe Trump actually is acting or truly like some of the people he's interacting with, I would say if, somebody, if people love him this much, it's hard not to like them back. So even if there is a, a little bit of acting going on for him to be doing this, he at least makes that audience feel appreciated by him, like truly. All you ever see Biden making reference to and doing head nods to are other upper level people who work in government. Never like this. He's giving everybody in this crowd their moment, too. He's trying to make eye contact and look and glance, like making people there feel cared about, feel part of what's going on. He sees the song winding down, starts to walk up to the mic, and he is in command. It's just impressive. That's, I would encourage people who are listening to watch this speech and just watch the way he interacts with the crowd while this song is going on. Now, don't get me wrong. Lee Greenwood and having this song that gives you goosebumps just listening to it certainly doesn't hurt at all. But here, Trump is about to speak his first words into the microphone. And this is probably total about four minutes in to the overall intro, because I didn't even play all of it. Thank you, thank you. Again, Trump started to say, thank you, thank you. He could have kept going, but he heard them chanting, so he allowed them to have their moment. And he stepped back again. This, is, this guy knows how to make them, let them feel good about what's going on. Joe Biden would have just kept talking and, and stifled that. That's called reacting to what's real in the moment when you're in the room. One thing in, in stand-up comedy, that's how I compare these performances or improv or whatever, If somebody walks through, like a waitress or something in a bar, walks through during the performance and drops a drink, some people could get nervous about that and it could derail them. But that's actually one of the best gifts you can have as a performer because all you have to do is react to that real moment in the room and everybody will laugh because it creates tension because everybody heard it. And if nobody calls it out, it's a pink elephant in the room, and everybody is focusing on that and nothing of what the person is saying. So all you do is comment on it. It doesn't have to be clever. It doesn't even have to be witty. You just have to react to it. You could say, I spilled a drink once. My life changed forever. You could say, get this woman another drink. 
It does not matter. As long as you're not a dick, all you have to do is react to it. And it breaks the tension. And the audience will laugh. And they will be connected to you because you guys are sharing an experience together that everybody sees. And you're not trying to force something that's not, you know, gelling with everybody. Biden is forcing things that people don't want to hear. That's why Trump is so good live. That would certainly be an act that was very hard for Biden to follow. Trump said like two words and they were going nuts and chanting. Now back to Biden. He does send a powerful message to the crowd about honoring the true meaning of Juneteenth in this next clip. As Kamala described earlier, to honor the true meaning of Juneteenth, our entire administration is continuing to charge forward. What was that? Our entire administration is continuing to charge forward. I believe he said continuing to charge forward. But since that's following up the already confusing part of his intro, people are probably saying, come on, Joe. Now, Trump did have a little bit of trouble as well. He kept getting interrupted by these hecklers, and he couldn't get any words out. Oh, excuse me, they're not hecklers. They broke out in a happy birthday song for him. Do you notice what he did for those watching? When they started singing again, he stepped back away from the microphone. It's a push and pull. I'm going to give you the stage. So he steps back, and then they're done, and he steps back up again. I mean, it's, it's, it's natural for him, but most people don't do that. So the tension gets weird. If you have to do public speaking, these are all fantastic notes for like just watching him and the way he does that to practice and to be aware of because it's easy to get stuck in your head when you're memorizing a script or something. But this is the stuff that is going to connect you to the crowd in front of you when it's a live performance. Now watch what Trump does here. His speech was interrupted, and here's how he handles the happy birthday chants. I don't want to say interrupted. It was going with the flow. It was back and forth. Nice birthday. Wonderful birthday. They were saying happy birthday. I was with, I was with Eric and Laura, the kids. Happy birthday, Grandpa. Happy, and I said, oh, great. I just got charged with, they want 400 years, approximately. If you add them all up, a fake a fake 400 years old. Thank you, darling. That's so nice. It's a wonderful birthday. Oh, we're going to make it into the greatest birthday of all. We'll make it into the greatest birthday It's going to be the greatest for 400 years facing. I mean, always that optimism and that fight and fires the crowd up. He's doing a perfect dance with the crowd. You know, people make fun of the way he dances, but when it comes to this, the guy knows how to dance. He's a pro. Now, going back to Biden for a minute, I actually did learn something from Biden's speech that I didn't know. I learned that it's not only Pride Month, which kind of feels like it's a bit hijacked at this point. I learned that it's also something else, and Joe explains. Tonight's performers helped us feel the power of Juneteenth, Black Music Month, among other things. Black Music Month, among other things. What other things, Joe? Perhaps naked trans female at the White House month? Because that also happened today. If you didn't hear that story, I'm sure you probably did. There was this 
trans female, biological male, who has fake breast, who took a picture of herself, her breast, next to some other guy, at the White House on the lawn, and then earlier is in a picture, a selfie or something with Biden. <laughs> you know, Biden had no idea that it was a biological male. There's no way. It's all corporate bullshit. It's all fake. Speaking of fake, during Trump's speech, the networks decided that they were going to fact check Trump in real time. CNN, they would only show part of the clips. They wouldn't show all of it. They would, they would give a warning, Jake Tapper here, we're not going to show you all the clips because what he says is dangerous and could cause violence. And so they show you a little bit and then they tell you that he's lying, whatever. CBS, what they would do is they would play the speech and then they would have somebody jump in. They would make that person's screen a little bit bigger, or about the same size as Trump's, and then they would lower Trump's volume so you could faintly hear him. And they go, well, Trump is obviously lying about that claim. And then PBS, their method of fact-checking in real time, what they did was they overlaid context messages onto the screen during Trump's speech, including one in particular that stood out to me the most. This day will go down in infamy, and Joe Biden will forever be remembered as not only the most corrupt president in the history of our country, but perhaps even more importantly. So right there, when he said most corrupt president in the history of our country, and perhaps more importantly, the word context in red, like warning, alert, came on screen. And then below that, it says on screen, the 2020 election was the most secure in American history according to federal election officials. And strangely, they put in quotes, the most secure in American history. Uh, who are they quoting? And does putting that in quotes all of a sudden turn what is an assertion that can never be proven? There's no way of proving this assertion that they continue to make. You don't just put it in quotes and poof, all of a sudden, it's legitimate. And who are these election, federal election officials that I guess they're quoting here. Can we get some names specifically? This is an unmeasurable assertion being treated as fact that is compared to absolutely nothing and can't actually really be compared to anything historically. And even if there were a way to do it, they'd have to compare it to every election in American history, which they, I guess people think they've done. It's just the stupidest thing that they continue to hammer into people's heads as though it's truth. I mean, they might as well have said the 2020 election was the sexiest in American history. Federal sexiness officials say, when everybody knows that's not true, I mean, this one is already going to be sexier. There's a Kennedy in it, for crying out loud. You, you can't, there's no way to measure this bullshit. Have you ever heard anyone in person? say this claim right here. No, well, no, the 2020 election was the most secure in American history. I've never actually heard someone in person say it. I've only heard people say it on social media, and I've only heard people say it in these training sessions for uh, Indivisible and in the news. And it's one hell of a logical fallacy, and I know you guys know this. We've gone over this. Garland has gone over this. How do they even square this being evidence. The word litigated means to be a party to a lawsuit. So if it's the most litigated in American history, then that means it's been the, the, a party to the most lawsuits in American history of any election. Does that make it the most secure? Of course it doesn't make it the most secure. The follow-up claim is you take that, then you add this. All of the claims have been dismissed. None of them have proven anything. Therefore, because none of the allegations or the challenges have amounted to anything, which is not exactly true, 
this is the most secure election in American history, which is still a fallacy, but it doesn't matter because that's not even true. And it's simple to prove that it's not true. It's completely simple because most of the cases that were dismissed, for, for this to actually be a secure election based on their reasoning, then all of those cases that were dismissed would have had to have been dismissed on the actual merits of the claim being made. Almost none of them were. Most of them were dismissed on process dismissals and lack of standing dismissals. And there are some challenges still going on. Follow Voter GA, follow Garland Favrito. The merits of these allegations, these challenges, have not been litigated. Yet, on the basis of this complete fabrication, which they know is not true, they are slapping the 2020 election as the most secure in American history as a fact check on a speech that Trump's giving from this government-funded, credible, I put that in air quotes, source. It's, it's really wild, man. I, I need to print this photo out and take it around when I go to improv and stand-up shows. And when my friends start talking about this, if they do, pull it out and talk about this. Because this is some wild, intentionally manipulative bullshit right here. Not that all of it isn't. Even ChatGPT and Bing, Google, or whatever it is, Google Bard, Bing AI, even knows this. Not ChatGPT, Google Bard and Bing AI. If you ask them the right way, they will admit that those claims, the merits of those claims have not been litigated, most of them. They just focus on Lynn Wood and what's her name, Kraken, to get everybody distracted, not looking at the actual stuff Garland and others are doing and what really is going on. I feel like we should put together, maybe one already exists, a list of all of the court cases and the reason that the court case was dismissed. Process merit, process merit, standing, 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 so that whenever we might run into somebody. Now, I don't think running into one of these people who are just deranged is going to help, but I think if the conversation does come up and with people who are open-minded, and there are lots of them, you can say, no, no, look, here are all the cases that were dismissed based on standing, based on process, based on merit, and you can show the weight. And then by having that list there, you can point out an image like the one on screen from PBS, which is a blatant lie, and then you can pose the question to them. Do you think that PBS doesn't know what I'm showing you right now? And they either have to say, yes, they know, and they're lying, and then that person has to decide if they're okay with that and how widespread such deception might be. And if they're not okay with that, what they're going to do about it, or they have to say, well, maybe they don't know. I don't think a person that dumb exists. If somebody says that and they truly believe it, take them to a doctor. It's not their fault. Oh, here's Tapper, by the way, if you didn't see this. Instructing and refusing to cooperate with the FBI. Yeah, uh, whatever this spectacle is that's unfolding before us, let's remember what this case is about. Let's whatever this spectacle is that's unfolding before us, they're singing happy birthday to Trump inside like a diner. It's a spectacle. Let's remember what this indictment charges. Again, Donald Trump is charged with a series of federal felonies for mishandling the most sensitive government documents that we have and for obstruction of justice, along with Walt Nauta, who is charged with intentionally setting up lies to the grand jury, to the FBI. Any way you look at this, and again, despite whatever may be going on in that restaurant, this case isn't going to... Happy birthday is being sung. That's what's going on in that restaurant. ...be settled legally 
in a cafe. It's going to be settled in the court based on the, the facts and law. The folks in the control room, I don't need to see any more of that. He, this, he's trying to turn this in. He's trying to turn it into a spectacle, into a campaign ad. That's enough of that. We've seen it already. Uh, let's go over again the 37 charges yeah. that Donald the Trump charges. is facing. Uh, right. You know, we don't need to see anybody singing happy birthday. It's so awful and evil. Tapper and that guy look like they do some of that platonic, non-gay bro stuff we were talking about the other day uh, on the show. These people's problem, like Tapper and this guy, is they're so up each other's ass that they don't realize how immensely unlikable they are to most people. They're just so unrelatable to everyone. They're sitting here saying that this is a spectacle. They're calling people singing happy birthday to a person that they admire, and that's what's going on. Like they're they're looking at it as like, well, Trump's trying to do this. That is people who admire Trump singing him happy birthday, and they're calling it a spectacle. And Tapper's going, "Ah, oh, the control room, shut this. I don't want to see anymore. This is just he's acting disgusted by regular Americans. They don't realize how immensely unlikable they are." Goes back to what I'm talking about earlier. They they either don't know how to read the room, or they're intentionally misreading the room to trigger divide and rule. I don't know. And that's where I'm going to wrap up the show. This is a show that I had not planned on recording this week. I was able to fit it into my schedule after I was inspired by both of their speeches yesterday to record something. So I didn't have any extra content planned with this show. However, I do have two more shows planned for this week along with some what I think is pretty cool extra content for subscribers only. So look out for that. And you will be getting this show ad-free for subscribers at patreon.com slash propaganda report. Subscribe there today. So I'll support the show. It's how I keep this thing going. Thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.